Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Cup Duet Reviews. My name is Jillian Robinson. I am your associate producer here at Cup of Hemlock Theatre, and I am joined by the astonishing Ryan Barakovich. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Jill. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you very much. Today, Ryan and I have the great pleasure of unpacking Dinner is Served, which is an immersive dance theater experience happening right now here in Toronto at the Campbell House Museum. It is a production that's put on by Toes for Dance, and it is directed and choreographed by Kristen Carconi. Also, associate choreographers and directors Ross Wartonen and Clinton Edward are spearheading with Kristen as well. And there's some astonishing dancers and producers and stagehands that are all involved in this immersive dance theater experience. The run is happening June 22nd to June 24th. And then again from June 28th to July 2nd. So a lot of summer evenings spent in the 60s. Before we get too far into it, I'll do our usual cup icebreaker. Ryan, what are you drinking with us today? Okay, so I have a cup of coffee in my The Cup Cup, but I specifically put maple flavored creamer in it because there were trays handed out at the show that had little like dare maple cookies, hashtag not sponsored. But I did partake in one of those delicious maple cookies, so I felt it was appropriate to have a maple flavored drink in my cup. How about you? Amazing. What are you I love that. I am drinking a non-alcoholic cooler, berry zest in a little flute, because at the top of the experience, we were kind of in a room that had fancy champagne flutes, and there's kind of use of alcohol or insinuating alcohol throughout the piece. So thought I would kind of jump on that classy train. I also have, I kind of kept on my outfit. Ryan and I are filming this post their invited dress. Um, Brava, bravo to all. But in their write-up, they asked us to come donned in 60s attire if we would like. So I have on a little 60s kind of paisley-esque house dress with little round coral floral 60s earrings my hair in a little bun yeah i'm feeling the era and i tried my best but i don't really own a lot of 60s era things your kaleidoscopic outfit is a lot more impressive i love it you've got the hawaiian-esque shirt there's some elvis presley you know it's early sure. 60s so we're i did yeah, hear an elvis song during this performance that you oh. likely didn't hear because of our different trajectories as we will discuss but oh we are hinting fun. all over the place so you know what let's go right into how we usually start one of these Ryan, give us the synopsis of this experience. Yeah, so this isn't going to be so much of a plot synopsis as we would usually do, partly because I have no idea what half of the plot of this show was, and that's not because I wasn't paying attention, it's because this is an immersive experience and you are given a specific character that you are following through the journey. And there are many characters. I actually didn't actually count how many there were. I don't know if you have the number at the top of your head. I think there's eight main ones. Uh, keep talking, though, and I'll just confirm yes. for us. So we are each assigned a character, and you're part of a small group of audience members who follow that character through their journey. And mm -hmm. 
you see them interact with other characters as it goes on, but there are some characters who you will not see. You see at the beginning and then you don't see until the end. So I have a very firm grasp on what happened in the specific subplot that I was journeying through, but I have no idea what's happening in the plot that you happen to be privy to. And we have yet to compare notes about the things we saw, yes. which we can This will be a, a true unboxing moment oh, for both of us. Kids love it. Um, so, but essentially the crux of this piece is that it is a fancy dinner party in the home of a character who is referred to in the program as the favorite. And he has inherited his father's radio company. Again, we are in 1961. So we that is the aesthetic and vibe and cultural milieu that we find ourselves surrounded in. Do you want to add it's something It's actually to the home of the host and hostess. Yes. yes. Did I say Just it was his correction. home? You said it was the favorite's home. Yeah. Okay. Apologies. Yes. So no, no worries. His, Keep going. So the hostess, I believe, is his sister. And so we are in the home of her and her husband, who is the host. And uh, yeah, we are introduced in one scene that takes place of everybody in the same room of him giving a toast to his great fortune, inheriting the father's company. We see a portrait of the father on the wall, very important detail, I suppose. And then he kind of toasts to his sister for hosting this. He toasts to his accountant, who's listed in the program as the other man who is present. And he came with a woman in red as his date, who is listed as the woman in red. And lady in red, yeah. La- lady in red, apologies. I should have the program in front of me while I no say worries. these things. And he also gives a special toast to his secretary, who is the character that I got to follow. Nice. And we quickly learn why certain characters are given special shout outs at this event and what is happening. But we only can learn so much, so I don't want to really get into the plot, at least not even my version of it in this non-spoiler summary here. But they've all gathered for this fancy dinner and everybody has their own motives and agendas, things that are kept secret from other characters, and they all essentially converge on this dinner after you've seen one character interact with certain other characters and then reconvene with other characters who you haven't barely even seen and you wonder what's actually going on. What did I miss? And I've Mm -hmm. learned so much about the secret life of this person, but what? who are these other people now? And yeah, it's very exciting. And it's all told through heavily choreographed dance movement theater, which Mm -hmm. is really so well done and lovely. I guess this isn't even a synopsis anymore. This is just general appraisal. Everybody go see this. The show is great. And yeah, it's I don't need to say any more about the plot at this juncture because the plot you see is probably completely different from the one I saw. Yeah. Do you want to add anything synopsis-wise before we get into Yeah, just uh, not necessarily synopsis-wise, but just kind of in this general appraisal, no spoiler zone. The fact that this whole experience takes place at the Campbell House Museum. This is probably a space that every Torontonian has walked by at some time. It's right across from Osgood Subway Station and right kitty corner to the Four Seasons where a lot of our ballet and opera for non-Torontonian listeners happens here in the city. And I know, like, especially on like Nuit Blanches and stuff, I'd always walk by. It's like this historical building that's kind of in the middle of a very like busy intersection here in Toronto. And I've always walked past it and it was super neat to be able to go inside. And then not only that, but I I love that my first experience with the Campbell House Museum was through this immersive dance era specific story 
it really made the space come alive in a way. I know the doors are usually open to the Campbell House Museum to quite literally be a museum and have folks walk through and just sort of experience the space, but to kind of be in the space and have it livened with dance was such a great honor. So yeah, just kind of wanted to add mm-hmm. add that tidbit. And I'd like to add to that even just like the sense of the geography of the house and the space that we get. Like this isn't just having a traditional theater show where we all sit proscenium mm-hmm. style in one room or even scattered in one room that we were following a character up and down the stairs through around. Some scenes were yeah. happening in the front courtyard that you would watch from the window in a different room that it really, <laughs> we got to immerse ourselves in the space as we were immersed in this immersive theater performance. So yeah, yeah, I'm glad you made a point of stressing the uniqueness of the space to the experience. Yeah, exactly. And I think we'll get more into specifics again when we're in slight spoiler territory, but the music that married and was like the pulse and heartbeat of this whole piece too was astonishing. And again, we'll get into specifics soon, but yeah, tipping my hat to, I, I quite literally felt I was immersed in the early 60s. Take me back to, yeah, if I was invited to this dinner party under this roof. And yeah, I don't want to say any more before we get into spoilers. <laughs> yeah, so I just general appraisal wise, it's it was great. We encourage anyone to see it. It's yes. kind of like a sleep no more, if that's a frame of reference that helps people. Mm-hmm. Uh, or or something close to home, Grim Night. Yes, yeah. which is, yeah, very much involves some of the same personnel, in fact. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Oh, and sorry, just to just as I did investigating when you were giving the synopsis, yes, it's eight main characters. Mm-hmm. And then you have the character of the chef and the new maid. So it's a 10-part cast, but eight main characters that you have the opportunity to follow. Right. So if you have, if you're attending this show, basically we had the astonishing Brie Clark, who's one of the producers and performs as the new maid, invite us here from the cup. Yes. So we allowed Brie to choose the pathways for us, me and Ryan, but I know we had the option of choosing who we wanted to follow. So when you go to the show, you will probably have an option or they will select for you. And yeah, you... We'll yeah. go into kind of how and the very unfolds. and very little information was given to us prior to the show about like you could choose a character just on a gut feeling, but it's not like you knew that who I really want to follow the this character's journey. So yeah. yeah, that's why we very much were open to just put us wherever you want. But we did specify that we wanted separate tra- trajectories because this will be more fun for us to now unpack our differing experiences of it. Oh, yeah. So let's get into spoiler territory so that we can kind of crack open the book a little more and talk about each of our different chapters. So at this point, uh, this we're going to take a page out of your quirky book here, Ryan. <laughs> we are going to put a spoiler maple cookie on the screen for those watching this on YouTube. Delicious, Canadian, authentic and was served to us on a silver platter. Yes, so. it was. So The uh, first spoiler to the spoiler logo, which will come drifting in like the maple leaf that it is now. Yeah. Okay, great. All welcome right. to the spoiler zone. Le- and like, we'll specify I feel like I've these- never said that. I've never been like, welcome to the spoiler zone. <laughs> and we should specify these are probably going to be fairly light spoilers, partly because we do just want to make sure we can get this review out in a timely manner so people can see this and influence their decision to see the show, which again, we hope everybody goes see, get yourself on a wait list. 
but also because our journeys were so different through it that everyone watching this will have some kind of different experience. So the extent of spoilers that we even need to give are fairly limited, I think. But, you know, yeah. there we could talk about our different experiences for hours and hours and hours. But for the sake of this review, that might not be necessary. Yeah. So I say, let's start kind of where I just left us before we brought in the spoiler cookie of when we got to the space, let's kind of just talk about the ambiance. So I kind of want to start with our flower pins Mm -hmm. and then go from there. So like I said, Ryan and I, we came to the space when they opened up the iron gates, when the doors opened, we went to a little pedestal and one of our producers, other name is escaping me, but uh, very friendly, came up to us, asked our name. And again, they were like, yes, here are your two different flowers. One of you is following the host and one of you is following his secretary. And his secretary refers to the favorites secretary. Okay. So I guess let's just map out. So we have the host and the hostess. Mm -hmm. So when we're entering the Campbell house museum, that essentially, we don't find this out till later, but just to kind of have our listeners, viewers on the same page, that house is the host and hostess's house. Then you have the favorite, which Ryan has said is the brother of the hostess. The favorite has just inherited the company from their father. The favorite has the character, his wife and his secretary. So both of those women are kind of in his trying in that triangle. And then you have, as Ryan had mentioned, the other man, which is the accountant to the company, lady in red, who will get into her trajectory. And then the matriarch, which as my track unfolded, and by the time we got to the dinner, the matriarch is the host's mom. So the mother-in-law of the hostess. And you can already sense the sort of like rivalry between mama, mama bear-in-law and the hostess. Anywho, so we get to the podium and we were given host and his secretary. So Ryan and I decided I would just follow the host and he would follow his secretary. But we could have chosen opposite flowers and we would have had opposite yeah. stories. That's the beauty of this piece. So anyways, yeah, we got a little flower that kind of like mostly all the characters flower colors matched their costume colors, which I thought was super neat. So yeah, we entered the space. And instantly we were engulfed by 60s like dinner party music and we were brought downstairs to this, it looked like almost like a parlor space and it was set up in little groups of chairs and small tables and each table had a character's name listed on it and we were encouraged to explore the space but eventually sit ourselves down to the area that our character we were to follow. Yeah, to that area. So it was kind of, it was amazing. It was almost instantly everyone who was there to see the show was getting to know each other and chatting. And it just was super lovely. Like the ambiance of the spectators was instantly like everyone knew they were coming to an immersive experience. So they're like, I'm going to introduce myself. So like, I felt like I was just hanging out in a parlor with buddies before, before the show even started. And Feel some free, people, right? Yeah, yeah, like what well, I'll just add to that is some people got really into I'm gonna make myself a character in this story and talk in G Wiz 60s slang, like you know, varying degrees of it. I think 
part of by telling us to wear 60s attire very much invited us to treat ourselves like people in this world and, you know, immerse ourselves in that way into the story, not just into the space and the setup of the performance. Yeah. Uh, So again, as we were walking through to this parlor space and then also just throughout the whole house, I just want to say right off the get-go, everything was 60s-ified or like period specific. The only thing that wasn't were like the photographers taking dress photos and any ushers dressed in black if there obviously were any safety things that popped up through the performance. But like everything in that space was dramaturgically creating an atmosphere that was breathtaking and including even they added in this parlor space like old advertising leaflets from the era and that was super lovely as the piece unfolded because it's kind of right there when you enter the space so people are kind of like oh I'm gonna do it's an immersive experience I'm gonna look to see what these say And then as the piece carries on, it's like, yeah, advertisements are the sound bites that sort of create our transitions in between songs. So like to have us kind of introduce the advertisements like through these pamphlets you can or cannot leaf through if you want was it was one of those things like halfway through the experience I was like, oh, my gosh, having those like advertisements fanned out was such a lovely entryway. One more technical thing I mentioned, and then I'm going to volley it to you. So as we said, obviously, the story is told through primarily dance and choreographed dance pieces. And the sound that creates these moments are 60s or period-specific hits. Again, Ryan's soundtrack is going to be probably extremely different than my soundtrack. I heard Ain't No Mountain High Enough. Did you hear that one? I did not. (laughs) There you go. So that was, and it was played through like an AM radio style as well, again, because that's how folks back then would have listened to their radio. And there was never, at least in my track, but never any silence. Anytime we finished a song, it was like someone was dialing the radio to the next song or if dialing the radio and hitting upon like an advertisement that was carrying us or segueing us to the next song. So it was just a constant soundscape of either period specific advertisement or period specific hits engulfing and supporting the physical movement. That was dance. Um, Ryan, pepper, yeah, pepper like, some more facts and experiences. Like, I don't know, we're trying to keep this short. Of things. We're trying to keep this short, so I don't need to yeah. reiterate all the stuff that you've done. I will just say that, yeah, the dancing itself, as pe- people who listened to our previous episode where we spoke about the show Dece that was just at Crow's Theater, mm-hmm. I let you do a lot of the talking in that because as I, you know, admitted in that episode that I'm no expert on dance, I don't, didn't really feel like I had the best vocabulary to even discuss what I had experienced in that piece, and you had more than enough to say, and happy to leave you to it. In this piece, I found that the storytelling through dance was so effective. Not that it wasn't in that piece, but it was just a very different type of more abstract piece. But here, in every single scene, I felt like I could tell like exactly what 
is happening between the characters, what their relationship is, what the dynamics are. You know, there's a lot of scenes of violence and physical intimacy that were all told through this very evocative, visceral dancing that was just chilling at times. And the these performers are all stunning dancers. It's amazing what they're able to do with their physicalities, but they are actors as well. Whether or not they would self-identify as such, they are, you know, telling the story as actors performing it in this way. And it, across the board, is just so impressive how clearly and effectively the story was told in this way that, you know, me as somebody who doesn't attend a lot of dance and dance theater, Mm -hmm. really, I've never seen something quite like this. Now, I know you maybe said something more similar in A Grim Night, which I unfortunately did not get to see, but I was quite floored at the way that the story was so interestingly told. Something I will say about the immersiveness of it is, I, while I knew that we were going to be given specific characters to follow, I, part of me was expecting it to be more of like a Sleep No More or even a Grim Night where we had more latitude and freedom to explore as we please. Mm-hmm. And this is by no means a critique, but it was very much that you are given a character and you can move within the room if you want, but you're also worried that, oh, well, I don't want to get in the way of what these performers are doing. They have very precise choreography that I'm sure they have freedom to amend as needed if people are Mm -hmm. in the way. But it was very much that, okay, this is your track and you follow it. I'm not saying I would have necessarily liked to have more of that freedom, but it was kind of something that I clocked as something that does inhibit the experience. And just to add to that, I think the the scaled space probably has a lot to do with that as well. Like, yes, when I saw A Grim Night, it was at a, the Great Hall, which is like a massive, like the play spaces of that story allowed you to sort of like dance in the space with them. But like something like the Campbell House Museum, it is a super small, creaky, antique environment as well. So I would imagine the stage manager brain in the back of my mind is like, let's make sure we're paying homage to this historical space. We don't want people like running around, wrecking havoc, getting excited. And also, yeah, like with with it being so small, so much smaller and having so many characters, I think, yeah, to provide some sort of structure. Yeah, that's probably their choice of doing that. And I've read... several like think pieces or editorials written by people who've had a pretty bad experience at Sleep No More because they just happened to find themselves on a route or journey through it that missed all of the good stuff. So I do like I do appreciate that they have a story they want to tell. They have this unique way of telling it and everybody's going to get a good experience because you know that you are following a well thought out story. And I guess the last thing I want to say about this is that Again, I don't know what you saw, and I don't know what people who followed a different character saw, but I was just based on how much plot happened in just the one character that I was following, granted interacting with other characters, like this is such an impressive feat of what I would call air traffic controlling in order to have, you know, like thorough, dramaturgically thought out plots and motivations and double crosses and uh, things that we like if I got that much just out of following my one character I could only imagine how much thought had to go into every single character giving similar experiences to its audiences and kind of to bring us back into sound really quickly is like how intense and specific the sound technician would have to pave each character's sonic journey Mm -hmm. because like 
my character, the host, without getting, you know, too deep into spoilers, he bopped from a lot of rooms to rooms. And every time he got into that room, his track switched, but it like was coming from anytime we entered a room, there was usually a character or a group of characters leaving that room. So the fact that radio, that speaker that was playing in that room has a specific soundtrack, not based on a character, but based on the characters that are going into that room and timing wise have to hit when that character goes in that room. Mm -hmm. It's astonishing. And another thing I'm going to just briefly say, for example, my us guests of the host, my character, were brought into a room and then the host went outside and told us to stay. And the matriarch actually said, the host guests and my guests come into this room with me. And the matriarch and lady in red did a sort of like woman powerful tango with each other. And then the two of, so I'm in a room in the house and then the two of them start looking out the window And then, so that's encouraging us to eventually we're like, okay, we should start looking out the window too. And the host is doing a dance out in the courtyard with the other man. And the song that they're dancing to outside the window pane is what's playing inside our red room. So I, I had a similar experience in that too, because there was also a scene where we were directed to see his secretary and the favorite outside doing a a dalliance of some kind and yeah it was choreographed perfectly to the song that we could hear in our room and i was astonishing and then something that i'll say is the scene that you just alluded to that was happening in the courtyard between the host and the other man i was still in the room where this we had just seen a scene seen a scene that was (laughs) happening between the secretary and the favorite outside and then more things were happening in the room that i was in but I kind of periodically glanced out the window knowing that, well, this is also part of the playing space just because Mm -hmm. I'm not being, this is me trying to take some of that immersive theater freedom into my own hands there. And I did see the scene that you just said. And I, even though I had very little encounters with the host or the other man and didn't know what was their deal, really, I saw something quite suggestive going on between them in the courtyard Mm -hmm. there. And, and, Again, I don't know if I was supposed to see that. Clearly, my plot wasn't contingent on me seeing that because we weren't directed to see it. But when we finally did converge at the dinner, I felt like I had something to hang my hat on for what's going on between these people. And I I do like that using that playing space and giving people perhaps accidental access to other scenes through the very literal transparency of a window really did help me feel like I was getting a bonus scene out of it. You know what? That's so interesting you say that because I'm going to kind of dabble into your side of things now is I know what by the time dinner is served, Mm -hmm. um, the favorite and his secretary, something suggestive happening with them. Very much so. And Mm -hmm. the wife indulges in her liquor. But I already felt prepared for that because in the parlor entry intros to all the characters at the start of the experience, you see the wife sniff, take a little snifter from her flat and trip down the stairs. So I'm like, hoo, 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 someone's trying to, you know, cope with things that might be going on. And then I actually saw the actors playing his secretary and the favorite give eyes to each other. And so I kind of was like, okay, that's going to be some juicy triangle vibes happening. But I don't recall 
maybe I wasn't just like, but I, because my character, the host is the last to enter during the introductions before the favorite kind of opens up the space of like, welcome and does the verbal introduction. I don't recall the host making eyes or suggesting anything between him and the other man. Yeah. Like I, I can't say I recall that either. And I think part of the introduction of the other man as the accountant, maybe there was something in that moment that had we known that something would be happening with the host, we could have been paying attention to them a little more. Maybe we would have noticed something, but it was in that moment, not yet knowing what are the pairings, what's going to become romantic. It's easy to miss. There was a lot of people in the room in that opening scene. And yeah, I think that's similar to what I saw out the window that I maybe wasn't supposed to. Some Hmm. little bones that get thrown to people that if you notice this, great, you're ahead of the curve. But if you don't worry, you're Yeah, we'll catch you up at the dinner. To also just, you know, while speaking of my, the host and the character I was following and kind of going back to, you were talking about how these dancers are absolutely actors. They're... In the digital program, we are kind of forewarned that the material deals with potential use of alcohol or sexual violence or anxiety, depression. And I just want to say my The Host, so played by Rodney, just making sure I grab their last name, Devirius. Apologies, Rodney, if I am pronouncing your last name incorrectly. They had such... I actually didn't immediately think of why they were acting the way they were. But again, I don't want to get too far into what the host... Like spoilers, you can say some things. But the first thing I got to see of the host was them doing their solo, uh, just a solo performance in what I assumed was their bedroom. Mm -hmm. And... It was them deal. It was too like, I'm feeling good. There was Ain't No Sunshine, I think was the other song. And it was these bursts of like giddiness and feeling themselves and then complete like reality sinking in depression, stoicism. Is that a word? Stoicism? Yeah. Yeah. And then flipping back. So I was like, okay, this is a character who lives in a patriarchal society and potentially has anxiety or depression or doesn't fit into the role that they are supposed to potentially like it was very kind of just left to my brain just being on a journey with this human who is clearly suffering something And then to just go on their journey of why and how was breathtaking. And it was all in like the the coy energy that would be sparked throughout their journey and then just like absolutely dropped. They did a duet with the hostess where both those characters seemed like they were mocking each other Mm -hmm. in having to fit into the norms, but then having to like their not communicating or not connecting with each other, but they have to still hold each other up and create this facade of a happy duo. Mm -hmm. It was like, so it was very fun and playful and then got very, again, like, like weighed down. And then, sorry, I know we want to, we don't want to go like too far in, but there was just such a burst of fun moment. I want to 
kind of, again, I'll just say who it involved, but it was the host, Lady in Red, and the other man. And basically all of us were out of our seats dancing and singing along to Ain't a Mountain High Enough. And it was really freaking fun. I felt like I would be in probably like a 60s equivalent of like a speakeasy or just like some sort of club that just like anything goes. And they were just using lamps as microphones and putting the shades on their heads as fun little gimmicks. It was just like, it was super lovely. Do you want to share just like I, a little bit yeah. about your experience? Uh, I feel like we're getting a little long here. So I just kind of want to say that, yeah, I think so the secretary who I was following, who was played by Christine Flores, Flores, apologies if I'm mispronouncing your name. Yeah, she had just such an interesting narrative arc that I don't need to unpack fully, but it very much intertwined the characters of the favorite who, as you've alluded to, it became pretty clear pretty early on that she's having some kind of tryst with. And uh, of course, the wife therefore becomes entangled in that story as well. And and she also has a lot of interesting dynamics with Bree's character, the new maid, who then I just if we want to single one fun moment out, yeah. one of the final scenes that I had before dinner, very much felt quite evocative of the steerage party scene from Titanic, I suppose, where I think it created a similar type of effect of we can have a lot more fun here in the you know lower class working people's quarters mm-hmm. than what is probably going on upstairs in the so cool. this is a scene set in the kitchen where there's a lot of just like very vibrant fun dancing the chef and the new maid did some very like interesting dynamics together to the point that Bree is a superhuman in terms of the dancing where she did this kind of like spider-man walk almost being like held but like up the wall and onto the ceiling that was just i'm sorry you missed it but it oh, was oh wow yeah it was <laughs> like she threw a napkin in my direction actually like it hit me and i it was on the floor and like i picked it up because i was very worried that are they gonna trip well like i i know <laughs> i'm sure they planned this to a t but there's just it was such an elaborate dance that i was so worried about <laughs> like <laughs> everything needs to be in place but that probably defeats the purpose of the immersion of this piece again yeah. we could go on and on and the second yeah. we end this recording you and i are going to keep talking about this piece of course but i think for the sake of getting this review out in a timely manner we should just leave people to see it for themselves and get their own exciting journey out of it Absolutely. One last thing I do make sure I do want to make sure I want to say is in this experience, you may be given a prop or like Ryan said, have a napkin thrown at you, or you may be asked to put on a piece of clothing for for or a piece of costume for the characters. And you can absolutely accept the invitation or you can put your arms up as like an X, like saying, no, you don't want to participate. So I just want to let our anyone who's yeah. planning on going just kind of know the parameters with that too like you can still choose your immersive adventure and similarly same thing same things goes with the performers as well like there wasn't anyone being a jerk intentionally trying to throw these absolute superhumans doing what they do best (laughs) dance so yes so picking up what ryan is serving the space yes we do want to get this out in a timely fashion So just to reiterate, this is Dinner is Served. It is a Toes for Dance production, an immersive dance theater experience happening at Campbell House Museum in Toronto. It's choreographed and directed by Kristen Carconi and associate choreographer and directors Ross Wortman, Clinton Edward, also spearheaded. And this is happening June 22nd to June 24th. 
And then again, June 28th to July 2nd. However, the there is a wait list now when you go to their website because beautifully these folks have sold out their postered run. Now, a little birdie has told me that there may be another performance added. So definitely get yourself on that wait list and or search. Keep your eyes open, ears open. I Check really it every hope- day. Yes. <laughs> I really hope this piece does get legs beyond or even just this company keep doing these types of dance theater experiences and the immersiveness. It's just such a lovely way of being in community with other artists and also networking and being in spectatorship with other artists. Ryan and I met some super cool folks that were also there watching the show. So yeah, get to the dinner party if you yes. can. Uh, that in mind, we'll do our usual sign-offs here. Uh, so, Ryan, do you want to uh, yeah, no, Yeah, no need to follow me personally, but if you like what we do here at Cup of Hemlock, you can follow us at COH Theater on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We are Cup of Hemlock Theater on YouTube, where you may be watching this, or we are the Cup of Hemlock Theater podcast on wherever you get your podcasts where you may be listening to this. And yeah, if you'd like us to review a show that you have in Toronto, we have an email in the description here where you can send us your press invites or inquiries. How about you, Jill? Where can people find and follow you? We would love to give that theater enthusiasm approach that we do here at Cup of Hemlock. Yes, if you'd like to follow me specifically, my artist Instagram account is jillian.robinson96. I have super awesome projects down the line for this summer, most of what's happening in Gravenhurst in July. And then Pin Pin the Explorer, the little puppet show I've been doing throughout the year, is also going to be having a run in August here in Toronto. So go to my page, keep up with me there if you'd like. But with all of that said, stay safe out there, folks. Stay hydrated. It is a hot one. And we will see you next time. Dinner is served. Cheers, everyone.